Hi everyone, you're listening to Dramas Over Flowers, and this is Anissa. This is a very special episode of our monthly feature, What's Up in Dramaland. We decided this time, rather than a news wrap-up, to have an in-depth discussion of what they're calling Burning Sungate. Joining us are returning guests Lolly Pip and Remy, both of whom are K-pop experts and superfans. I hope you all find this semi-follow-up to our Men Behaving Badly episode a worthwhile listen. As always, please send feedback to dramasoverflowers at gmail.com, tweet to us at dramasoverflow, and find us on Patreon. Thank you, patrons! And now, showtime! Hi everyone, this is Saev. This is Anissa. And this is Forma. And today we're doing something a little bit special, and we have some very special guests with us. We have um, Lolly Pip. Please say hi. Hi. Welcome back. And we also have another guest who we've had before, and that's um, Rumi. Hello. Hi, Rumi. Um, And Rumi joined us for our K-pop episode, and um, Lolly Pip joined us for our deep dive into Father is Strange. So if you haven't heard those, those are awesome. You should go back and listen to them. We're doing something a little bit more serious today. Um, We're going to be talking, having kind of an in-depth discussion about the Burning Sun Gate, which is what a lot of people are calling the scandal with, you know, Sungri, Jung Joon-young, and like the chat room where they were sharing all those terrible videos. Um, But also there's other stories that have been breaking kind of around the same time, um, such as the, the former justice minister, Kim Haki, and his solicitation or the corruption that was happening with him a long time ago that is now like resurfacing, and also an investigation into Jung Jae-yeon's um, suicide, which happened 10 years ago. She was in Boys Over Flowers, um, but her friend has been campaigning to uncover the truth about what happened back then. And so those three stories have really been in the news a lot. I think there's been a presidential... Um, sort of order to look into these things and there's been independent um, like agencies looking into all this so I wanted to just invite these two friends and who have like their own k-pop sort of uh, expertise and they're also very smart um, to discuss this topic with us so I just wanted to ask for initial reactions I guess so if I may just add on to how it started before going to initial reactions, it actually first came out at the end of January, where mm-hmm. uh, so NBC News Desk released this. There was an interview with a man, Mr. Kim, who was talking about being assaulted at Sangri's club, Burning Sun. Uh, so Mr. Kim, you know, he said that he saw a woman who was being sexually harassed and he attempted to help her uh, back in November 2018. And... You know, instead of the staff supporting him, they beat him up. And when the police arrived, he was the one who was arrested. And he was the one who was booked on various charges, including for sexually assaulting women. I think indecent acts, defamation, criminal battery, etc. So he talked about how unfair it was. And that's kind of where it started. So at first, there was an investigation or people were talking about burning sun itself. And in March, there was a leak, uh, so Jung Jun Young's phone, that was leaked by, I guess, SPS Fun E. Mm-hmm. And then it became a much bigger issue. Around on March 10th or 11th is when Singri retired from the entertainment industry. 
around that time is when the uh, chats were initially released and edited chats and even they are pretty disgusting <laughs> to uh, to read so after that it kind of snowballed and became a very big thing so in january end and february i didn't realize how big it was singri was also holding all of these concerts uh, there's a concert where he apologized to fans his statement is that he was not involved directly in the running of the club he was only promoting it because he's a celebrity so he was lending his name to the club and uh, he said that he was not present at the club during mr kim's alleged assault and he heard about it later so he apologized and he said he had not taken responsibility i mean he was not responsible for any of this was basically his thing and at that time he was criticized quite heavily because in a variety show called i live alone he had shown him portrayed himself as being uh one of the people directly responsible for running the club and i think there are clips of him like adjusting light bulbs or something like that now he was denying it so he apologized for this at a concert why you put out a statement but on march 10th i believe yeah. it was march 10th yeah, yeah. So. he was finally booked on sex bribery charges and on march 11th he announced his retirement and sbs funny broke the news of jung jun young's phone and after that it kind of just snowballed and it even like that's when it hit me that oh my god this is such a big thing this is not just about one incident at one club but it's a much bigger thing involving probably you know police collusion now there are ties to the underworld that people are talking about there are this you know all of these women who have been sexually assaulted who may have been raped who have been filmed without consent so it's quite a big deal Yeah, and I apologize. I shouldn't have framed it as like starting it in March. I just think I just that was sort of when it exploded onto the international because this has been yeah. uh, you know, reported on by like The Guardian and, you know, Variety and Billboard and all CNN these and major all, yeah. Yeah. So, it's it's really has become a huge thing. I mean, my mother saw it on CNN and she was texting me like, "Oh my god, do you know who these guys are?" and I was like, "Yeah, huh? Unfortunately, I do." Yeah, so thank you for Remy for giving us that like really great timeline. So let's then talk about our sort of reactions to all of this. Well, I I get all my news from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, <laughs> thankfully, yeah, I also get all my news. I, I have to do a little bit of self-care with how much I expose myself to when it comes to the news. Um I mean pr- pretty much my mother lets me know when something really big happens if I haven't seen it online already but I first heard about all this probably around like March 9th or 10th on Twitter um when people started talking about uh Sungri getting um I don't think he wasn't arrested yet at that point but you know that he was in some big trouble mm. so I pretty much you know for the next 2 or 3 days just was kind of stuck to Twitter kind of following you know all of the articles that were coming out and everything and just getting more and more horrified because unfortunately uh, almost every single one of the artists who have been outed are someone I considered myself a fan of so it's oh, been it's as a K-pop fan it's yeah. been kind of not to make it all about me but it's been very traumatic because it's like each time i see somebody i'm i'm like well, oh fine you too you know like how could you do it's just been very it's a feeling of betrayal as a fan you know and 
kind of hard to accept in that sense. And then on the and then you have the other side of it, which is very selfish, which is, oh, well, thank goodness, at least my very favorite biases aren't involved yet. You know, so it's hard kind of not to see it through that filter, you know. I, I want to agree with that. So none of these artists are people I really follow. I do listen to Big Bang's music, but Cindy wasn't my favorite artist. And none of the others are people I follow. And I think these are all, they can all be classified as second generation K-pop. Mm. I'm mostly into third generation K-pop. And I'm just so relieved that like all of the artists I like are not involved. But then I feel like, is it only because you're a few years younger and you're not quite there yet? I mean, I think I would be, it's not, it's not very reassuring. I think I would be crushed but. if I found out that like someone from BTS or 17 was involved in this, but it does seem to kind of be limited to that second generation. Yeah, but they're also younger. Yeah, it does seem to be limited to the second generation guys. I do think that maybe I just want to think, but I I feel like people of that younger, like older teens, young, mid you know to mid twenties age group is a little more to use a term woke about this kind of thing. I really so hope so. So I would like to think that we're not going to find out any of the third generation, you know, the current K-pop favorites are involved, but you never know. I, yeah. And yeah. I really believe in my favorites. Like I'm also a big BTS Ugh. fan and I really believe in them. But <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, there's that but where you don't know them yeah. personally. But yeah. yeah. I am not, I don't really know. I mean, I've seen how sort of, I know like very little about the third generation. I got into K-pop a little bit when I first discovered K-dramas back in the day, which has been like 10 years now. Um, but at that time it was basically Big Bang. And they're the only um, group that I've really ever considered myself a fan of. I'm a big fan. So I've been a is, big fan of Big I do Bang, understand that FP Island, yeah. Sea and Blue. Sea and Blue was my first, um, k-pop group that i ever really was a fan of because um because of because because you're beautiful <laughs> because you're beautiful so i found yeah. and ft island through that so i'm 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 disappointed to find out that guys from those groups are there luckily they're not my favorites from that group but it's still you know it's yeah still i, I also it's never change things yeah 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 i also never really liked sungri that much he was kind of like yeah the, the sort of like the one that didn't fit in with the rest of them. Yeah, um, I agree. But it's, I mean, like that music, I have like so many memories of that. Like I've like, like drove, driven from like Toronto to North Carolina to like Texas listening to Big Bang songs. So, uh, and also while, while his songs have been in the military, I think Singri's been doing a lot of variety promotions and, you know, he was really endearing himself to me. Uh, I was starting to like his whole panda persona that he's got going. And then to read those chats and see, my God, <laughs> there's such a vast difference between what he's like in real life versus what he shows on television. It's... I remember seeing a lot of interviews. There was a period where they would actually, all five of them come on like once in a while to a variety like interview program and like they wouldn't do it very often. But um, I do remember them being like, yeah, he's a businessman. He has a lot of political connections. He knows a lot of people. And like, he just always had this really like slick kind of like a very smooth talker who could probably convince anyone to do anything. Mm. And because of that, I was always a little suspicious of him. Mm. Isn't it funny that we as women are so tuned into that, that we can, yeah. we can see it 
even when we've never met the person, like we can pick that out in a person. Yeah. I think, I think it's a self-protective kind of instinct that we develop yeah. <laughs> as well. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, if I was to talk about which one of these artists I really liked, it would have been Jung Jun yes. but like before the 2016 scandal came out, like I love, mm. yes, he has been blessed with an incredible voice. Like I have never heard anyone with a voice like that before. Um, but then like when this, when his girlfriend sued him for this video that he shared without her permission, I was like, ew, you're gross. And even though he was like, quote unquote, cleared, which we now know is not the case, he just never submitted evidence. I was just like, I'm kind of not on board with this anymore. So at that time I was like kind of disappointed, but now I'm just like, get out of my face. I don't want to see you anymore. For me, it's Young Jin Young um, from Highlight. I think he... I always felt like oh, he was such a yeah, sweetheart. I, I mean, I've seen him on variety. Sh- I watched him on uh, It's Dangerous Beyond the Blankets, and he seemed like a real sweetheart. And it's just like, and, and I and and I believe him when he says that mostly what he what he did was to not stop it. You know, I I he's he's the only one whose apology I actually kind of believe, um, because it did sound sincere. And but. I don't know if that's just my bias talking. <laughs> it's really hard to separate that out from, you know, because what we know about these people is so, it's all persona. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know anything clearly. I mean, this that's showed us anything is that we don't know anything about what kind of people they actually are. Which brings me so back to the third really generation to K-pop, K-pop stars because there's a lot more accessibility to them. They do the V lives. They put videos on. I know more about the guys from BTS than I do about my own sister. I'm not even joking. Just like <laughs> like their favorite foods and you know what they like to do in their spare time and you know it's there's a lot more openness I think between the artists and the fans than there were back when these guys were the hot ones. You know, and I still there's a lot of persona put into it. I I do believe that, but I also believe that we see more of their real personalities too. But even in terms of, say, uh, the highlight member not stopping anybody, it, you know, I, I understand bias, but I always feel, you know, at the end of the day, you chose to stay friends with this person despite knowing what they're like. You don't have to be the hero and report them. You don't have to be morally right and stop them. But that you choose to stay friends, that I think says a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. or the fact that he didn't say in the chat, like, this is gross, don't share these with yeah. me, you know? Yeah. That would have been enough for me to be like, okay, well, you didn't report him, I can understand, maybe it would have been, like, difficult for yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, not everybody wants to take on the legal hassle, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> I understand, as a lawyer. But I agree that you can, you can judge that's a lot fine. about a person by who they spend their time with, and if I were in a chat room like that, and somebody was sharing videos like that, I'd be out. I would leave that chat. Exactly. And so the fact that, just the fact that they even stay in the chat after that kind of thing is going on for years, you know, is, uh, is that, that just in itself is alarming. It kind of speaks to how entrenched rape culture is, is that even when it's something that bad, it's easy to just not say, yeah, exactly. Like you don't even think about saying this is gross. Stop it. This is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Especially in male only spaces. Exactly. Yeah. There is an Asian boss video. Uh, they, did a, they did a street interview of Koreans and what they think about the Burning Sun scandal. 
and i think it's really interesting to watch because uh when they ask what you know what is the problem with what has been what has happened nobody uses the word consent or non consent there is oh, wow. a lot of uh, yeah it's very interesting you know there's like there are men in that interview who say that you know men like to share porn men will be men and it's only blown up because sanri or jung jun young are celebrities and all of that is fine but you know that they shouldn't have done it because they are celebrities that doesn't quite sit right with me i feel like the words consent and non consent are far more important than they are celebrities and they shouldn't have done it they should have been more careful or men like to share yeah, porn there, with their friends like there's a basic lack of understanding that this was not porn porn is something that actors perform here the there was no performance here real sexual acts were filmed without the consent of the women and we don't even know if the sex was consensual no and when you and when you put dragging people into it you're removing all possibility of consent you cannot consent even even if i if i decided to take drugs and consented to something i am legally still not responsible because i was under the influence you Correct. they deliberately took away those women's ability to consent what's what's really disgusting so sorry to interrupt is that these are videos these are like 10 second videos or just a photograph taken without the woman knowing apparently you know video quality is really poor so none of these are taken for necessarily like the enjoyment of watching the video they have been taken for the thrill of uh doing something that the woman in question she doesn't realize you're doing you're sharing it with your friends you know you're laughing this is thrilling you're such a big boy it's also not as though these men have any issue you know they're good looking they're rich they're famous i'm sure they will find plenty of women willing to sleep with them and even have videos or photographs taken just because you know the world is like this so this is purely for the thrill of the thrill of taking something illicitly it's or illegally it's you know it's it is a very it is very much a far thing women these women to these men they are not humans they are like objects they are props for them to you know stand on a stage and declare how great they are and look at what i'm doing i'm so cool stuff like that that was no i mean it's not it's not about sex it's about i don't know what it's about it's about power it's about control it's about the yeah like you said the excitement of doing something they're not supposed to do you know i mean i i i told you guys i have a story about this when i was in college i had a a friend from high school call me up and wanted me to go to out with her and some other people from school uh for her birthday and we had all just turned 21 so we were you know excited to go out to a club where we could drink and um and it was it was all people i knew there was like seven of us and one of them was this guy that had been to school with us we only gone to school with him for one year but we were all in choir together we knew each other really well and he was someone who was very charismatic good looking you know didn't have any trouble getting girls and i even had a crush on him back in high school well we got to the club and he went to the bar and got us all shots so i'm relatively certain that he was a culprit um i took one drink and after a few minutes i didn't feel very well so i went into the restroom and i was just sitting in the restroom stall just not feeling great 
And we had gotten there pretty early in the evening, like probably like 8.30, 9 o'clock. And I woke up at 2 when the bar closed. And oh. I, and uh, they were, you know, the, they were knocking on the stalls, making sure everybody was out. And they were able to wake me up, thankfully. But And I and my friends were gone. So that was a whole other story. Um, they never came to check and on was you? Able to, no. no oh well, God. I don't know that. They may have, my, the girls may have tried and couldn't wake me up mm. but I spent I spent a good five hours unconscious in the restroom and um and I got very lucky you know that I went to the restroom because I you know I'm pretty certain I only had one drink yeah. and I'm you know so I'm pretty certain that I was drugged in some way and I'm pretty certain who did it because I know who it was that brought us our drinks back and, you know, and it was really scary. Luckily, my father lived nearby and he was able to pick me up. But, you know, it, it could have gone so much worse. So I know what it's like to have been roofied. You don't know what's happening. I have no memory of five hours of that night. And just the thought of these women being taken advantage of and then mocked and, and treated as inhuman like, I mean, I'm just, my whole body's shaking right now just thinking about it. I'm so sorry. It's very scary. I, you know, um, what you're, what you said also reminds me of um, the female reporter who broke the story about the chat room. Um, she did an interview um, and she said that she'd been working on this story for, I think, two years. But she mm-hmm. was trying to break the story in a way that wouldn't expose the identities of the women because she talked to them and they were like, we have been violated in such a terrible way already. And we don't want our names to come out because it's, it's going to be so humiliating and so much worse. I mean, we all know what happens in these kind of situations. And so she, for two years, she was like, I just made it my mission to expose these monsters for who they are and also try to protect these women at the same time. And I mean, there have been, um, a lot there's been a lot of like really gross speculation about these men's like co-stars and like other celebrities that might you know people say oh well what if it was this actress that or what if it was that singer which is like really gross um but i don't think that any of the people who were taken advantage of were actually had their um identities exposed which is amazing i've, I've seen the speculation yes. but i've also seen miles long, like I said, Twitter is my news source. I've seen miles long threads of people saying, do not out the women. You don't need to know who they are. It's not important. Their identities, outing their identities is only morbid curiosity. It doesn't matter who they are. Exactly. The the evidence is out there that it happened. The evidence is out there that it happened. It doesn't matter their identities and, and outing their identities is only going to open them up to, you know, criticism of why were you being promiscuous, criticism of why were you drinking with, you know, with men? Why were you, you know, it, it makes the women into, into it's, being culpable for what a, happened to them and they're not. That, it's yeah. a so social and like career killing kind of thing. But it, it's been, it's been heartening to me to see that like the agencies of these female stars about whom there's been speculation have actually sued the people who have um, tried to, to do that. So, I mean, I mean, obviously they're in it for self-interest, but it's still, it's still good to see them, you know, defending these actresses. I'm, I'm actually really heartened by how 
little focus I have seen on who the victims were in this case, because it does seem like that's usually the main thing people want to know is, you know, who, who did it happen to, you know, when it was uh, Bill Cosby a few years ago, everybody wanted to know who the women were so that they could mm-hmm. criticize them. Oh, but in wow. this case, I, I have seen a, a, only a very small, just a little bit of that. And, and mostly people calling out for don't mm-hmm. doubt them. It doesn't matter who they are. I also think that, I mean, I don't know that this was the intention of whoever's investigating this, but I think they did a smart thing in only releasing one name at a time um, rather than in like sort of exposing all of these identities of the celebrities who were doing mm-hmm. this stuff. If they had exposed everyone at once, each name would have had less impact. People would have, uh, each person would have gotten less criticism. Um, so Agreed, I think yeah. I think it's really smart. So like now, people are just like, oh, who else was in there? Rather than who were the women, like people want to know who else was doing this stuff. So I think, I don't I, know. I hope, I hope that was the smart. intention. And it's not a, yeah, I hope that's the intention and it's not a ratings thing because, you know, I, my, I'm also following it on Twitter and there are a lot of jokes going on, uh, going around about how this is, you know, debut showcase in prison, new group, burning sun, like that. Oh God. <laughs> like remember to be reviewed soon stay tuned i did see something that was like who's who's going to be the ne- who's going to be the next member of the of the burning sun debut group or something like that yeah yeah so i mean just to give a quick rundown for those who haven't heard the, the latest um so so far it's sungri jung jun young Lee jung hyun from cn blue young jun young from be, uh, what was formerly Beast and is now Highlight, uh, Chae Jung-hoon from FT Island, Roy Kim, and Eddie Kim. I think that's so, everyone. But just, yeah, but like not everybody is legally in the same category. No, they're not. No, they're yeah. not. Yeah. Because just viewing uh, the it, this footage or these photographs is not something you can be punished for, but distributing, taking it, those are punishable offenses. So Lee Jong-hyun and Young. Young Jun-hyung. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't follow highlight. So they are technically they're legally in the clear, mm-hmm. and the others have some sort of chargeable offense. Yeah, and not all of these people were in the chat room. Some of them were friends of one on one. Yeah, Jung Jun-hyung, and he sent them stuff. Yeah, one on one. Yeah, yeah. But there are also uh, there's these other three names, right? Super Juniors, Kang In. Uh, I had I not think. heard that one, actually. Who was a model. And one more guy, Jin Boon from 2 a.m. or 2 p.m. Again, I yeah. think it's 2 a.m. I, yeah, I did hear about yeah. him. So they were with Jun Young in this show called Hitmaker. And it seems during that time, there was a chat room. And I mean, so all of these reports are very fragmented, right? Then there is a lot of contradiction information here and there but i basically gather that he for that janjun young for instance he took he took photographs of like a flight attendant and body parts and he shared in the chat room and they made all sorts of comments about that so again nothing chargeable they're not even being questioned uh they have not but yeah and and uh, i think part of the difficulty with this is the way that this uh chat room was exposed was that a, a technician i think at the repair store where he had left his phone a couple of yeah. years ago um, and, and then said that he didn't have his phone because it was in for repairs, actually recovered the, all the data that he had, I think, deleted and 
gave it to the police. Can I say again, there's contradicting information because I have read this, that it was leaked by a technician at the repair shop. But I have also read that actually when Jung Jung-young was initially accused of having shared this illegal footage of his ex-girlfriend, at that time, the police took his phone and they acquired these chats. Oh. But uh, for whatever reason, the, the investigation, because of various corruption, didn't go ahead, right? So the forensic, somebody in forensics leaked it to the lawyer, which is why it is from that seven or eight month period. Hmm. But again, like I said, that's why I said, because, you know, we are getting, we are relying on translations and often fan translations. So I feel like we're getting some conflict, contradicting information. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do try not to rely too much on fan websites and I try to use more of the um, like actual news outlets, but it's still hard because even if it's like a, if it's an actual Korean news outlet, they don't always have the same information in English that they do in Korean. Um, yeah. And my Korean is still not good enough where I can like sit and read an entire news article and understand everything. <laughs> so, um, and I think the other thing is the fact that like, obviously the police are not telling us the truth because it's going to make them look bad because they didn't, do their job when they're supposed to and there's definitely some (laughs) police corruption so even if we do have like the full korean um or like an accurate translation there's still conflicting reports of what's going on yeah which is you know like very clear in the with the other um we didn't really get a chance to talk about jang jayan which is a really tragic story um but with her case a lot of the like she actually named a lot of people in her suicide note and that was 10 years ago and things just got completely hushed up. And so obviously, I mean, this is all speculation, but obviously somebody is not willing to take these things for a full investigation, right? Like now they're investigating. Um, and even her friend Yunjio, who asked for police protection has, you know, like complained about the fact that they weren't protecting her in the way that she so, needed. Um- and he's just um, uh, so Zhang Jiayun, um was a secondary character in um, Boys Over Flowers. She was like, the jealous friend to the main female lead, and uh, I think that was like that is the role that she was most known for. And uh, the accusations that she made was basically that she was forced to um, perform um, like sexual favors. Is that like? Uh, she was basically coerced by um, certain CEOs, yeah. right? That that was the accusation. And the problem was that her agency had um, uh, sort of promised to help her. And then after that, it becomes a bit murky. We don't know exactly what happens, but she was promised help. She uh, there are there were conversations that she had with her. Um, sister or friend where she said that I'm going to get to the bottom of this this is going to you know going to come out I'm going to get help and then uh, within a very short period of time um, she just ends up dead it's worrying that her note was actually written a week before her death Um, and that makes me wonder because unfortunately through some personal experience I know that a a lot of suicide happens um, on impulse and it's something that the person thinks about for a long time, but when they actually do it, it's, they're not planning on doing it that day. You know, it's an, it's an impulse. And so they tend to write, if they leave a note, they tend to write it right then. The fact that her letter was written a week in advance 
um, tells me that either she was in a really bad place or maybe it wasn't a suicide, you know, and that's rampant speculation, but so she was, so she, she was in a really bad place, but uh, the thing was that um, her, the man is not mentioned, but someone from her agency had told her to write down everything that had happened mm -hmm. to her. So that those papers were also part, like her letter was not the only, her suicide note was not the only thing that made like the sheaves of paper, part of it was just papers that she had written before because she was putting down I everything did. on paper that had happened. And I read that she uh, named more than 30 people in that list. So that's a, a lot of people and they were all bigwigs. Yeah. They weren't small. Fry. And I remember when this, so there's definitely an agenda. Yeah. I remember when this story broke and everyone was really shaken and they were like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then it just went away. It was just like nothing after that. Yeah, because um, in, in this, uh, the current case, in the whole Burning Sun issue, as like as big as the um, celebrity, celebrities involved, as big as that side is, there's also like an equally... Not equally, right. but almost right. as big discussion on police corruption right. and like how far back that goes, and that's why the Jan Jan right. case. Like we have, up. we have mostly discussed the Molka issue, but there is the whole the clubs in the Gangnam area and the police collusion that's been happening, and you know, I mean, there are there's talk of embezzlement of money by say even Sangri, and there are money laundering. <laughs> through the underworld, I don't know. There's all sorts of uh, issues. Sex here. trafficking yeah. and yeah. sexual work in general is a huge industry everywhere else. The fact is that in, in Korea, the ways that it's legal in other places to make, I mean, you know, legal in a very broad way, but the fact that in Korea the laws are much, I am, I'm not quite sure what the right word is, but they're not as accommodating of um, sex work um, but there's a lot of money in it. So that's obviously it's, that's flowing through the whole system one way or another. Yeah. It happens, you know, whether they want it to or not, it's just that it's going on under the surface, like under the table. Yeah. And I mean, the, the burning something is particularly horrific because there are reports that club patrons, right? Not uh, women who are providing sex for money, but club patrons were also drugged. And they were taken to these VIP clients where, you know, they were drugged and they were roofied. They have no idea what's happening. And they've been raped by their VIP clients. Or, I mean, at least this is very heavy, heavily implied uh, in the news sources that I'm getting. So isn't it interesting how most of the CEOs um, have not, like, we don't know who most of, I think uh, and Sook from... Um, Yuri Holdings is probably the only uh, CEO that no, we no, know the of. The Burning Sun like guys the are, there are two co-CEOs. The person called Lee Sung-hyun and another guy called Lee Moon-ho. So Lee Sung-hyun has admitted to bribery in this case of where uh, a minor entered into the club. Apparently, he paid 20 million won to, the, uh, to a police person to kind of shut, you know, hush it up. And Lee Moon Ho has tested positive for drugs, but I think his arrest warrant was rejected despite the positive test. So these are the two co-CEOs of Burning Sun. No, I'm not talking about the CEOs of the Burning Sun, but like in the chat rooms. But CEOs in general. Yeah, like there, there seem to be so many, like then, um, like of course the names weren't exposed, 
there are a lot of um, like uh, the people who bought who bought the uh, prostitution the sect yeah so none of those people seem to have been exposed which i find a bit odd yeah you're right the names haven't been released to the public I'm also, that we I'm know also- of yeah, I'm also very suspicious about how they've just like to pinpointed this only this one senior police officer for um, you know, investigation and punishment whereas like these things are not it's it doesn't happen with just one person. We've watched dramas. We know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have to have a full guy and you yeah. might as well make that one full guy just take take one for the whole team, right? Yeah. And also, like, the whole thing, the thing with celebrities is, and with there being so many names, and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, is this the end of K-pop and whatnot? But, I mean, still, considering what I imagine would be the true scale of it compared to the names that we have, that we know of right now, I, I don't think it's remotely representative of how many people are really doing it. Yeah. There, there's just a few sort of hand-picked okay you guys are gonna just you're gonna take it for the team basically and because they're recognizable because they're well loved it's it's enough to keep people's attention it's amazing Um, that there's this giant chat log (laughs) on their phones about what they've been doing i'm sure when the news broke out a lot of celebrities got rid of their phones yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, somebody oh, told the group to throw away their phones, and that's why, like, they are not able to access more recent stuff, and they're looking at stuff from, like, 2016, right? Yeah. That's what's scary, is that none of this has even happened in the last three years. Like, this yeah. is all things that happened a while ago. Not that that makes it less valid, but it makes me scared of, like, okay, well, what else have they been doing in the last what's three years? How have, yeah. how have they escalated that we don't know about? There was one comment that one person made on there that we've we've done everything illegal except kill someone. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that was and that was years ago. Yeah. What have they done now? I know. It's really scary. Like on the chat they're saying that this fantasy about, you know, taking a woman and gang raping her in a car is something they've done. They're saying, but we do that in real life as well. And I read that that was an to a gay. That was what? Something. I read that that was um, an allusion to a game or something yeah. because, like they said, oh well, we do that in real life anyway, which seemed to suggest that what they were saying before was like something else. Yeah, and apparently, but then they're saying like they that. do that in real life. Yeah, anyway. of course, which is so. disgusting. Yeah, it's just we'll probably move on to the next thing. What's the next thing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's bright red, you guys. Our rage and disgust for hours, but yeah, this, is, everyone... this is why I have to monitor. I have to like limit what news I'm uh, um, expose myself to. Not because it like makes me depressed or anything like that, but because I get so angry <laughs> and I just mm. want to just uh, yeah. It's like that anger where you, there's nothing you can do. This is yeah. still like, I know. like some. If it was something you can go out and do something about, then it's like, okay, I'm doing something. But with this, there's nothing you can do except watch it unfold. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Wasn't there um, not soon after all of these names came out? Wasn't there uh, another breaking news about uh, was it a hotel or a motel, and the spy cams right. that they had installed it. About 1,600 guests have been filmed in various hotels, I think, across. Who was behind that? Was there any news on that? 
I read that there are four people that have been booked, but booked meaning basically, I think it means that you're, you know, you're, a, you now have a record, like they process your fingerprints and they, that's mm-hmm. how I understand it anyway. So I read that there have been four people who have been booked, but beyond that, no. And they were live streaming uh, footage. Yeah. And it was like, that was, that was extremely lucrative for them as well, because they'd like, you know, you had to pay for access and stuff. Oh my God. And here's, here's why this makes me so mad. Here's why this makes me so mad. I, I am actually one, I'm, I'm a damn liberal. And I think that if you want, I think that, I think that prostitution should be legal. I think that drugs should be legal. I think people should be allowed to do whatever they want with themselves. And I think, I believe that making things illegal makes them illicit and more exciting and more alluring to people who are drawn to that sort of thing. So I really think that um, a lot of decriminalizing can help with this sort of thing because if things like, um, you know, if things like prostitution and drugs were not illegal, it wouldn't, people wouldn't be out there, you know, killing and hurting people for it. But so that's why it makes me so mad. Because that is something what, that's crossed my mind a lot. Because it's it, because it feels to me so unnecessary. Like if if and and I and people that are going to go and hurt other people are going to do that regardless. But and if you're banning it, you're banning it. Then the laws need to be strong enough to take care of it, right? Like for example, uh, so there's a 2017 either an amendment or a supplementary act to the Criminal Act. I think it's an amendment where they talk about. Uh, offenses, wait, let me just pull it out. Yeah, where they talk about like Article 14, I have this, oh, it's a very poor shooting with a camera. And the idea basically is body parts that induce sexual desire or humiliation. In the sense that if you have these laws, right, they need to be stronger body parts. That Can you sex- explain it a little bit more to, uh, uh, in detail? Because you told us before we were recording. Yeah. That, uh, Okay, so I, I basically, I brought up the rape laws, actually. So what, what are the rape laws like uh, in Korea that you know? Article 297 of the Criminal Act, a person who, by means of violence or intimidation, has sexual intercourse with another shall be punished by imprisonment for a, a limited term of at least three years. So I want to stress on this, a person who, by means of violence or intimidation. The word consent, that is not what the law, rape law is based on. It is based on the other person using violence or intimidation. Uh. Right? In contrast, I only know the Indian law. Uh, so the Indian law only says that a man will rape a woman. It doesn't recognize it the other way around. But I just wanted to compare. Let me pull it out. So very loyally hearing the swishing of pages. Yeah, I'm so I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> Please edit that out. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I love it. I think it's great. It's much more like it gives it more authenticity. We have a real lawyer here, guys. No, but I'm not a criminal lawyer. So <laughs> you know, if so, we ignore the fact that Indian law only says that uh, men rape women. There's no recognition of other genders. We ignore all of that. So, but X Y does X Y Z things under the circumstances falling under any of the following seven descriptions. First, against her will. Secondly, without her consent. Thirdly, with her consent, when her consent has been obtained by putting her or any person in whom she is interested in fear of death or of hurt. 
and it goes on like this. So I think that you can see the clear difference. Like over here in That's South Korea, yeah. yeah, consent isn't the deal. Hmm. It is only about violence or intimidation being used on and the other no party. There's no mention of like drugs or being intoxicated and not being even right. Yeah. But this is actually it is part of the law. Uh, there is a 2017. I guess there's a supplementary act. Called special acts for punishment of sexual violence crimes, and it supplements the criminal act. Drugs thing, at least, is not in the criminal act. It may be in the special act, but the special act talks about the uh, the molka. So it's a 2017 December introduction. Yeah, I think I remember last year when the women in Seoul were doing these massive demonstrations. One of the things that they were complaining about was that even though the maximum Punishment for this is five years. Men were just getting away with a slap on the wrist, and then there was like maybe one woman who was convicted for this. Yeah, and they gave her the and maximum I punishment. yeah yeah I read that. And also in 2016, the National Police Agency released these statistics. Only three percent of reported perpetrators were detained under this shooting with a camera molka thing. So even though there's a maximum of five years and there's a fine, it's yeah. Uh, the maximum could also be seven years, by the way. I'm really sorry. <laughs> My translations, I'm doing the best I can. But I think if you film, you can get up to maximum seven years. If you merely distribute, you can get up to five years. For watching, you get nothing. I'm not sure if it will apply. I'm, I guess it applies retrospectively as well to a person. So I just, I'll just read out Article 299. A person who has sexual intercourse with a female or commits an indecent act or another by taking advantage of the other's condition of unconsciousness or inability to resist shall be punished in accordance with the preceding two articles. Preceding two articles is limited imprisonment for not less than three years, violence and intimidation, that's rape. And indecent act by compulsion, violence and intimidation, commits an indecent act on another that's not more than 10 years or by a fine not exceeding 15 million won. So that, so it's there in the criminal act and you know what the sentence is wow. and what kind of charges Dungeon Young might be facing or Singri or Che Jung Hun might be facing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope they get the maximums. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, like there are so many stories coming out every day about new cases that we can't even try to talk about all of them. So it's really rampant. There was just one last thing I did want to add. I don't know if it's, it's too late or too early. Um, about decriminalizing things like, um, you know, pornography or prostitution or gambling or any of the other things. Um, like, I have wondered over the course of all of this if it would have been different if those things had been legal um, in, in a more loose way. Um, but then I also think, you know, they're all legal here, but it hasn't changed things like sex trafficking and um, uh, violent crimes against women and uh, non-violent crimes against women. It hasn't changed those things a great deal. And I'm not sure if it's even offered them that much more protection, even though there is technically legal recourse, because the culture hasn't changed. So even if the laws change, the culture has to catch up with it. I think that violence is always going to happen because violent people are violent. Um, you know, here in Nevada, prostitution is legal. And I, I know I've read somewhere that something like, you know, sexually transmitted diseases and, and 
the instances of rape and stuff like that are a little bit lower in Nevada and they think that has something to do with it. And a correlation is not causation, but there isn't really, I mean, there aren't too many good studies about legalizing prostitution, uh, decreasing general violence against women in any country. However, there are some really good studies on how decriminalizing prostitution does decrease uh, violence against prostitutes. Because sex workers always suffer the most when they are in, in any country where uh, prostitution is illegal. And I'm going to give you the case in point is going to be my own country. India makes prostitution legal, but in the weirdest way. Everything like soliciting, um, having a brothel, everything is illegal. It's you, you can't stand on the side of a pavement and just if you are seen talking to a man, you can be. It's not going to be just anyone. The police, of course, profile uh, these women. And um, it's just, it's it's a mess. So there is no way that sex workers can gather together to support each other and, and you know, like do this in a, in a legal way where they can be safe. They always have to go through the most unsafe parts and they are constantly harassed and, and exploited by the police and by the communities who know that, you know, they, they are scared of the law. The biggest issue also is that then they cannot approach, for instance, if they, I mean, they can also be raped, right? Or they can be violently, physically assaulted during the act of providing a sexual service. And they cannot report this to the police because what they were doing was illegal in the first place. Or what if they contract HIV? Can they go to a hospital and, you know, or another sexually transmitted disease? Can they go to a hospital and can they seek treatment? None of that. Yeah, so the point is that where um, sex work is truly legal, violence against uh, sex workers has been shown to diminish like drastically. So we can't sort of correlate the whole legalization of sex work to uh, the larger social problem of women facing violence because women face violence in so many different ways. But legalizing prostitution does help prostitutes and prostitutes will always exist. It's, it's, not, it's not a profession that's going to go out of fashion. And the state might as well earn some money from it. Oh, instead of it being underground money, yeah. you might as well regulate it and I mean, earn some money. Taxable. Yes, make yes, it taxable. Make it taxable. Let these women like have proper savings and just like just some safeguards for their own lives. So many of these women end up dying. Yeah. Anyway, so that is the that is a whole different. I guess different I'm thinking further back in terms of trafficking women. Like for example, in the uh, in Europe, you have a really big. Um, it's underground, of course. It's all underground. But like um, Eastern European women, in particular, who are tra- like and from Russia, trafficked into the more uh, sort of. Uh, Western European countries and they often because they don't have any legal status they can't claim the legal protections that the law can then provide were you to have you know actual legal status where you are yeah the, that does happen that's the thing and, that I'm thinking of which yeah, I, I completely understand your point. Point. I completely understand your point but however the the um, fallacy that I think most governments do Acting as if like tra- sex trafficking is uh, directly connected with sex work. It's not. Mm. On the one hand, you have something, a profession done with consent. And on the other hand, you have sex trafficking where there is no consent whatsoever. And governments tend to look at sex work as if all of them are being coerced. In most cases, they are not. However, sex trafficking does, okay, this is an entirely different conversation, but my point is that they tend to sort of collate the two and that causes 
that causes problems for everyone. It doesn't solve anything. None of these trafficking laws have ever been able to uh, do much for actual human trafficking but they have surely been able to like make lives very hard for uh, sex workers thank you for that clarification it's a really needed one i yeah. think thank you thank you <laughs> so, from that very serious <laughs> back to us yeah okay so we won't be ending this portion of our conversation but rather than just like putting a pause to it for now because as women i feel like this is a conversation that we are continuously having, unfortunately. Um, so to move on to the dramas that a few of you have like brought up, and I think I've seen a few of them, and some of them are older, some of them are very recent. Um, so let's start with the current ones. Sure, let's start with current ones. Lollipip, you had mentioned the fiery priest, and I think are you recapping that one? Actually, two of the shows I'm working on right now have made comments on the situation the fiery priest is a little more obvious <laughs> um because there's a whole and i'm and i'm behind on recaps i'm sorry readers but <laughs> there's a whole storyline going on right now with uh, regarding a club um owned by the son of a government official tell us the name of the club the club, the name of the club is Rising Moon, so that's pretty, pretty obvious. And um, and I haven't gotten super deep into the storyline yet because I am a little bit behind. But um, there's a lot of like corruption, drugs, uh, and I've heard that they get into some like solicitation and things like that later. But I don't, I can't, I'm not sure exactly how that plays out. But um, I mean, it's pretty obvious. That they're that they're referring to Burning Sun. So as soon as I saw that the club name was Rising Moon, I was like, "Oh well, here we go." Um, <laughs> and then and then Possessed also even alluded to it in uh, episode I think seven, where uh, there was a whole storyline of a boy who was being bullied by his classmates, and they were filming the bullying and then sharing the films in a chat room. So it was it was very, you know, not exactly the same situation, but the same kind of like treating somebody violently and then sharing it to be, you know, enjoyed and mocked by other people. And and then it pushed the boy to suicide. And so I, I think that definitely, you know, was inspired by what's been going on with the whole Burning Sun thing. It's a new kind of crime, isn't it? The whole... Uh, you know, taking videos and sharing them. That's like, it's a very Definitely. smartphone era. Kind of. Definitely. I mean, they, they, you hear of these tiny cameras that can fit into pens, they can fit into your coat buttons. I read that, you know, men may hide it in their shoes to kind of look up mm -hmm. women's skirts yes, in the I've subway. Well, yeah. I, it's, it is a and very... And it's like literally thing. nowhere is safe. A anything. I mean, it, I, so I read in, uh, something that someone wrote the other day about being worried about visiting Korea for, because they couldn't find pub, uh, they had heard um, about public restrooms being difficult to find. Oh, I think this was in the last, um, what's it called? Um, what's that drama? I uh, named that drama. He is psychometric. It's there yeah, in episode was... one. Yeah, it's in episode one. This guy is yeah. speaking at like, I think maybe she's a female lead. I've only watched episode one. The high school girl. Yeah. Yeah. And she sees him. 
and she chases after him and then she mistakes the male lead for this guy for a second i thought wait the male lead was doing this then i realized that she was not <laughs> <laughs> fine yes. like they weren't because for a moment you're like are they going to play this off for laughs yeah and this is the great thing about the live shooting system um in in korea is that they really can tap into what's going on immediately mm, the only great thing and, in my opinion <laughs> yes yes <laughs> Maybe not the only, but one of the uh, only at least. Because you see this, like they react to stuff yeah, so quickly. Yeah. Like a news will break in, like you know, one week, and a week later, you're already going to see allusions to it in in a drama. And I wonder, like, how subversive are writers allowed to be? That's another thing I wonder. Because we did talk um, in, I think, our last Jack about how um, many restrictions, like how much restriction there is around what exactly you're allowed to say or show in a drama so like how far are they pushing it when they bring these illusions in i always oh, wonder yeah, i think we talked about this in our um collaboration oh, the test. with the risk yeah, test yeah, yeah. um just now a, a drama popped into my head i'd completely forgotten about this but i was completely disgusted when i saw this do you ha- have any of you watched uh devilish joy no. no. Okay, so I did watch a few episodes. Not beyond the first couple of episodes. Exactly. But if you watch the first couple of episodes, <laughs> do you remember that the main female lead, who was like a like a top star at the point, he she was basically pimped out to um, another, I think, a CEO who was like sort of chasing after her. She was giving like him no attention, and uh, then her agent sort of pimps her out to him. And sort of pimps her out as in like um, yeah. sort of sends her to a bar to have a drink with him. Kind oh. of all you have to do is go and go at the bar and just talk to him, and that's all you have to do. And then he roofies her, and then something happens. I think images of her um, in bed or something. He leaks it. He films it, and like her reputation is completely ruined. Her reputation is ruined, not his. And you know, so it, that that's a, that that was an entire. And it was like a. I had never seen that shown in dramas before, and that that was. When was Devilish Joy released? Last year, right? Devilish Joy, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't is, yeah. isn't it? Isn't there a similar story in Touch Your Heart? We haven't got there yet, but yeah. Okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we can go there now. Yeah, let's just, go there next. Segue. Yeah, so you you are absolutely right. There is a similar story where the female lead have or is sort of like accosted by a uh, sort of a stalker slash admirer who's again the CEO of her, or brother of. Uh, yeah, let's just call them all CEOs. A chebol son. Yeah. <laughs> all of these evil, evil chebol. Evil chebol child. Until so, they meet the female lead like and they are drastically transformed. That's like me recapping Haiti. I just decided they're all ministers. Forget it. I don't care about their child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just I'm calling him all minister unless they give him an obvious other title. Of course, there's one guy who's on his third title now for the show, so that's <laughs> not confusing at all. But yeah. Um. So in, sorry, we were talking about touch your heart. Yeah, right. <laughs> in in touch your heart, it got um. They kind of uh, made it a bit PG, I suppose. Like in that, the agency was not involved. Like she got um sort of cornered by her stalker admirer and this was a sto- person. Yeah. yeah, so that was the and nothing actually like horrifying happened. She just got implicated in a drug case. But um initially before the that reveal happened, the, the way they had shown how she was the one to take the brunt of the um, public outrage and how her character was sort of ripped apart and her career was ripped apart, that was really interesting. Because that is exactly what would happen. Um, 
the, the, and that, that's why I think it's important that the that the victims' names are not released because then it'll just be all about the then, women yes, and definitely. and that's not fair. They shouldn't they shouldn't suffer their you know personally or with their careers because because they were yeah. preyed upon. Because the second you have a victim, you have victim shaming, which and victim blaming. Exactly. Yeah. And it turns the focus of the story from the perpetrators to the victims, and then you know they can quietly sneak away while you do that. Which is why I find this Burning Sun scandal um, really interesting to follow because the mm. the victims um, slash survivors are not the ones who are bringing out these stories. So it's not the focus like with the Me Too movement in Korea. The focus was all about doubting the women's story. It it didn't really take off the way it took off in India or in in America. Mostly in America, I mean, even in India, it was pretty um, slashed down. But the focus here is all about the investigation. It's the, there is this whole official um, investigation going on. So the so it's the support for the perpetrators is just from diehard fans. Most people aren't doubting the information that's coming out, which would absolutely happen if if the stories were coming out through the victims. So yeah. that is which is not yeah. fair, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I think also like the very instrument that allowed them to actually take and share these, you know, the technology that allows for people to take and share these videos is also the technology that's tripping up and tripping them up in the sense that like there's actual evidence of like files of their, you know, records of their texts and their sharing and they can't, I mean, you can re never really truly erase something once it's gone on the internet. Exactly. But also it seems that the police are having a really hard time getting hold of the entire log, right? With Kakao Talk. Yeah, mm. like I said, <laughs> I have very little trust in what the police is telling us. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Yeah, and to bring it back to Touch Your Heart and also kind of related to the fact of like who to believe. Um, so they did, I agree, Parma, like, they did a good job of showing how badly it impacted her life, even though she was the victim in that situation. But then the way that they wrapped up the case was so quick and so unsatisfying. Yeah. Um, and then later, uh, one of our friends was mentioning, was it Hellcat? Helena. Yeah, Hellcat yeah. from Drama Beans, who recapped the drama. She was saying that she had heard um, that after Burning Sun broke, which actually broke during this uh, drama's run, that they actually condensed that storyline because they didn't oh. want it to be associated with the real life scandal that was happening. I don't know if that's true, but this is what she said that she had heard. So that's another element. Like, I wonder if this is a way in which the live shoot system affected it by making them sort of step back from that storyline a little bit, because there was a lot of filler in the end mm. that could have been yeah, taken up by the stalker had really been built up for a larger um, plot than what we are actually got in the end yeah that, this actually makes sense and at the end of the day she is dating a lawyer right so that it is the perfect setup to kind of right yeah, i was actually that. looking forward to like them I don't know, battle, right? him down yeah. And, yeah and it just was very it was very <laughs> unsatisfying so and it's interesting to me how you know some dramas went oh this this hits a little too close to what we're doing fictionally let's you know let's distance ourselves from this and other dramas are like, hey, that's interesting. Let's do some of that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah. it makes me wonder what's the difference. Like, what's the conversations behind the scenes that make them 
make one decision for one show and a different, the opposite decision for another show. It might just be the producer, you know, the person financing it has an issue and the person financing the other one doesn't. The investors. Lonnie Pippi, you have a back a background in showbiz of some kind do you have a bit Me? more insight in there i i have i have some not not real professional i was actually i went to college for musical theater so more of a on stage kind of a thing but i have a little bit of experience with um you know television and movies and um I'm always real interested. That's why on a lot of my recaps, I talk about the acting and the mm-hmm. and the production. And I'm always real interested in what goes on behind the scenes because I've been there and it's really, you know, it's very interesting stuff sometimes. Just even the simplest decisions come about through all kinds of, you know, discussion and decision making. I wonder if it also has to do with the identity of the drama. So I don't know. I feel like Touch Your Heart would be a good fit for something like this because it is a legal drama but maybe because the tone is so fluffy and so romantic and so sort of like cotton candy sweet and I'm not saying that in a like a pejorative way I I enjoyed that about it but maybe they were not willing to sort of like take that yeah with something this dark and this real you know whereas Fiery Priest, I haven't watched it, but I get the sense that he's, like, actually, you know, tracking down evil and hunting down injustice, Oh, right? Yeah, I mean, corruption, corruption, murder, uh, you know, government officials banding together to commit illegal acts and stuff, yeah. I kind of understand, I'm sure. It's still kind of fluffy. (laughs) It's still kind of fluffy. But But it's also, it deals with some pretty serious issues. Right. So, okay. yeah, and then Possessed is, you know, yeah, just dark. So I just want to add, I'm sure the Fiery Priest is doing well right now in ratings because of this. Is it is it doing well in ratings? Do you know? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would think it is. It's yeah. great. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Partially because of this, because that's the kind of atmosphere. So the show would do well. Probably it's quite cathartic for people to watch something like that, you know. And part of the reason why people watch sort of heavy dark dramas is for that um the payoff of having the bad guys punished and that kind of thing yeah i also feel like kim nangil is the ultimate catharsis of an actor like just watching (laughs) him is so it like refreshes your soul let me tell you let me tell you how good this show is i have i have had a bit of a um prejudice against kim nangil because I don't know, t- totally unfair because I knew somebody who was like obsessed with him and I just got sick and tired of constantly <laughs> hearing about him. I mean, just shut up every now and then. So, so I've kind of avoided his stuff, um, but I couldn't avoid it when they asked me to recap the show and I am in love. He is so adorable. I mean, that's how good this show is and this character that he's playing that you know, it, it's it's totally changed my mind on him, and it's just it's a great yeah. Everybody watch. Yeah, I didn't have like strong <laughs> feelings about him either way, but then I recap live up to your name, and uh, after like one episode, I was like, oh, you're the best. So <laughs> I agree. I even I even pinch hit a couple. I one or two. I can't remember one or two episodes of that. And even that, I was like, okay, maybe he's not so bad, but it still didn't like win me over. But I am completely won over. Okay, I'm going to watch Fiery Priest. He's just great. He's so cute. I hate adding things to my watch list. Stop it. <laughs> I know, I don't have time to watch anything. I know. <laughs> I have such a long list for when school ends. 
I don't think it's actually going to be accomplished, but I, I live in hope. So this is why, like, if you don't catch it when it's live, that your chances kind of instantly slim down to about five percent of ever, you know, ever watching it. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So speaking of how busy we are, um, let's try to quickly just uh, touch on some of the other dramas that we wanted to mention. Did we talk about possessed? We did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lolly. I, mean, I mentioned the storyline that it's it's just a side story. It's um. The, the killer uses this situation to put the hero in a, in a, he, he uses the situation to make a point to the hero that people are evil. And um, so it's not like a major storyline. It's like maybe 10 minutes worth of the show, but it, it was real. you know, they showed the video that the kids made of themselves bullying the kid and they, they, it's, it's got a bit of a, of a sexual tone to it. They do, they say that they strip him down naked and then, put a rope around his neck and make him, you know, run around like oh, a dog. God. Yeah. It, it very much alludes to the fact that there might have been a sexual component to the, to the abuse as well. Um, but, but the main part is that they were, they were doing this to the kid and then they were, they had, they say they uploaded it to a private internet room is what they mm. said. And so it just felt very, yeah, we're making this reference here, but we're not making it super, we're not really doing the exact same thing, but we're definitely making a reference. Yeah, kind of acknowledging that this kind of thing ha is happening and people are aware of it. it yeah. yeah. It's a social issue. Exactly. So I think none of us have watched this, I think, but I, you had somebody had mentioned Big Issue as well. Yeah, I, I've only read that it refers to it quite uh, majorly, but okay. I have not watched it. Okay, um, and then there's some older dramas that have taken on the topic of like rape, sexual assault, um, tables and powerful elites using their position, you know, for these kind of exploitations. Um, and some satisfying ones, I think, that we can agree on are, um, Saya, you mentioned Golden Cross from 2014. I think Golden Cross is one of the best. Okay. Can I quickly talk about Golden sure. Cross? So, um, with Golden Cross, the underlie the um, it's a drama with Kim Kang and Yi Shiyang, kind of, but not really. This is Kim Kang's drama. It's a revenge movie. Um, his sister, um, is uh picked up by a, a an agency, and I'm doing air quotes, um, to. Uh, to like become a star they want she's interested in becoming like an idol or something like that and she's been working towards this really hard um, and then she finally gets like street cast and they send her to like Hong Kong or something or uh, somewhere abroad overseas um, and she gets to the hotel room and what she finds out at that point is that um, some horrible um CEO guy, an old, like he's an old guy. He's not even you know Jung Bosuk? Uh that actor, I think it's Jung Bosuk, who plays sort of um evil grandpa types a lot. Um so it was him. He was the uh, person who was there for her services. And it was so like it was nastily done, um as in as it should be. Um and what happens is that she she's raped um, and then I th it's been a while since I've watched it. I think she tries to report it later once um, because her brother uh, Kim Kang is a, a trainee prosecutor. So he finds out, and they're all like, you know, they they want to 
do something about it. Uh, and then she ends up being murdered. Um, so it's like it's that whole story of putting these unsuspecting girls into that position of providing services to uh, chivals. Um, I just that came to my mind immediately as soon as like that kind of story started uh, uh, breaking. It's just these are not. Oh, old you just stories. reminded me of another one. Oh, which one? Um, now I'm trying to remember the name of it because uh, my ADD sucks. Um, the one a few years ago that I recapped. Give me a second. I'm looking it up. Um, Hogu's Love. Oh, did that have the that as well? Yeah. The whole storyline, not exactly the same thing, but the whole storyline was that um, the main female character has a baby out of wedlock, and you come to find out later that she was played by Yui, um, that she was uh, raped by an up and coming, like, famous swimmer. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about and, that. Yeah, and so so her baby was actually the product of having been raped, but she was, I don't remember exactly, because I have the worst memory ever, but, um, and it was, you know, 2015, but she was intimidated into not telling anybody what happened because of who he was, and they, you know, and she was, being, if I remember, she was kind of being threatened of, you know, accused of trying to ruin his career. Mm. Yeah, and so I mean, this 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 kind of stuff is is very uh, very prevalent in all media, not just you know Korean, but American television, and all just because it's it's scary because it's something that actually does happen, yeah, and it's so rampant that you cannot have a show about the police or about corruption or about crime without having these stories just like baked into the sort of the atmosphere of these shows. But then it's like. Does it just become normalized then? I think we've all seen Signal. Signal has that um, really horrific gang rape case that's based on a real case that actually happened. Um, And those were like privileged Mm -hmm. rich kids who almost got away with it or, you know, like, so it's a similar kind of, you know, powers playing a part. And then in Forest of Secrets, there's like part of the first kind of case that, you know, makes um, Jo Sung-woo's character suspicious is this sort of um there's like a girl that was provided to a powerful person by someone in the prosecutor's office or someone finds out about that i don't remember the details now so please don't quote me on this but there is that aspect of like an escort or solicitation or abuse and that is kind of a theme that runs throughout the sh- the show um and then as you mentioned saya in rescue me there is that scene of humiliation younger brother oh. Yeah, um, and then in your honor, and I kind of agree and disagree on one thing okay. that that it that it it does in a way normalize it to the wrong people, mm. <laughs> but I also but I also appreciate that shows are put this out there and say, hey, you can't forget this. This happens to people, and it happens to people all the time, and it happens so often that we're we need to talk about it more often, and you know keeps it in the public consciousness rather than trying to hide that it happened so i appreciate when shows like fiery priest you know a week and a half after after the burning sun thing breaks all of a sudden there's a story about rising moon because it's like they're saying hey people don't forget about this yeah this is you know this is something we need to we need to be looking at and we need to be talking about 
also think that part of the reason those um, storylines constantly make it into dramas, because I, you know, like you said, there are very few dramas that don't touch on some kind of that kind of crime, whether it's crime against women, whether it's sexual um, assault or rape or anything like that. Pretty much almost every drama I can think of right now has had some kind of uh, reference, big or small. Um, And that's, um, again, it's just because that's part of the narrative of the period and the time that you're living in, that it would be impossible to write a story that didn't have that because it's such an endemic part of that, your daily experience. It makes you feel a little better that it is being shown as something terrible that happens. It's, you know, it's being portrayed as we needed a, we needed a horrible story and this was the worst thing we could think of. And Mm. so that at least makes me think at least it's not being normalized, you know, to the point that we're still portraying it in media as this is a terrible, horrible thing. So dramas, I mean, they can reflect reality. They can also be aspirational, right? Like I've found a lot of television shows what people want reality to be rather than what it actually is. So for instance, uh, you see all of these mm-hmm. J-ball romances. You know, people want money. They want to, uh, you know, be living this kind of wealthy life. Like I feel like, or you see, you know, poor people with smartphones. It's not just, uh, not smartphones, sorry, with like these fancy, <laughs> fancy designer coats and bags and, uh, you know, in big houses, in big houses. And that's what people, like, that's the life people want to lead. So I think dramas reflect not only what the current reality is, but a lot of dramas reflect what people want reality to be. So as in the aspirations of people. So shows like Fiery Breathe. And we want to see bad guys getting caught and paying for this. Right. Which is why, like, you know, corruption within the government or within corporations, like the higher ups, it's such a big part of so many dramas. And I think that's, that's something like maybe Korean people, I'm just speculating, but I feel like maybe it's something Korean people feel very strongly about. And that's why it's a part of so many dramas. Yeah, and so. I think, like you said, it's aspirational in the sense that there is no feeling of a guarantee that you will actually get justice in your justice system. And I think it's a similar feeling in America is that you don't really trust the justice system to give you justice. And so these crime shows are aspirational in the fa- in the sense that like in a procedural of 42 minutes and like the bad guy is caught and he's put it behind bars and you know who did what and but i think like to your point um lollipop about like feeling that it's good that it's being portrayed as something horrifying and terrible and, like i think it also depends on the execution by the particular show Oh, um, yeah. So, like, we've listed definitely. some really good examples. I just want to also add Your Honor from last year to that. Uh, but then there are yeah. also some really horrifying examples of shows that, for example, portray sexual assault or rape, um, but then they don't, they almost do it in, like, a voyeur. They don't fulfill their promise. Yeah, yeah, like, we talked about this with Pretty Nuna, is that we felt like it sort of started talking about workplace sexual harassment and then it just turned into this really voyeuristic sort of they kept on showing this clip of these women being humiliated over and over again and then you don't really get this narrative satisfaction of her um gaining victory or even just like having a satisfying like emotional arc through the through the whole process of like confronting her abusers and she just like gets demoted and then she moves on as if it was like no big deal and those people yeah, are like still if, in power. if you're talking about those stories as aspirational that's part of why Pretty Nuno is such a sort of betraying drama Definitely. because it 
it took all of those um, aspirations and it took all of the um, the hope that you put in it to to deliver a story that is um, emotionally satisfying to you, even if you know that in real life you don't get justice that way. It took all of that and it crashed it under its heel. And I wonder <laughs> if maybe this is a function drama. of like women who are writing these dramas and a lot of times men who are directing them. And, and ultimately, mm. even if the woman is writing it, the director has final say, right? So maybe it's an indication of sort of what's going on behind the scenes in terms of like who's, who's getting to speak and what storylines are okay. And even maybe by like the higher ups in the company. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember who made this point if it were uh, when we talked about it a while back I think it was Barma about how maybe this like this is a cautionary tale like this is the cautionary tale this is what will happen if you speak up because we do know that's exactly what happens when you speak up that's the norm not the exception all of the other dramas show you the exception as in what you wish would happen but Pretty Nuna showed you what actually is more likely to happen yeah I'd like to sort of end our drama portion by bringing this back to something that's like really sad, but I, I, this occurred to me actually when you were describing the other, one of you was describing the other drama where like the girl was roofied and she woke up and it just reminded me, I had forgotten about the storyline, but in Boys Over Flowers, the heroine is, I don't remember if this is in the Korean version or if it's only in the Japanese version, but like there's a storyline in the manga and in some of the adaptations where like the heroine is drugged and then she um wakes up the next day in like just on her in her undergarments in like a strange place um oh, no. in version it is a screen version and they take pictures of her and post them all over school and say that she's like a slut and all of this and Jung Jae-yeon was actually playing one of the three mean girls so just knowing what she was going through when they were filming those scenes for Boys Over Flowers is just yeah. really tragic and heartbreaking to me, knowing what we know now. Especially because the script made her the orchestrator of that entire thing. She had basically yeah. gotten the guy, like she hired him to roofie the female lead and then take those pictures with him just because she wanted to break up the yeah. uh, main pair. Anyway, so that, yeah, that's... It's really horrifying. I know. I know. It's, I just thought of that like in the last few minutes, honestly. I have, I have a question which strikes me uh, as, as we were talking about this, which is that we've been talking about um, violent crime against women. We're talking about rape. We're talking about sexual assault. We're talking about hidden cameras. But like at the root of them all, I think Remy or uh, Lolly Pip, um, one of you said that it was about power and control. And mm-hmm. like what's, what strikes me about that is it's, it's not simply power. It's, I mean, because a lot of, you know, people have power in various situations in their lives, but it's what happens when your power goes unchecked and when there's no accountability. So I feel like the whole question might kind of converge on that question of accountability because if there was some kind of realistic accountability, could those people um, be checked? Could they be prevented before they committed those crimes? Or, you know, like that kind of thing. My central question to that is, um, who do you think, like what's your view on who the bigger criminal is in terms of, um, you know, like the person providing the service or the person buying it? Like the pimps or the users? I think it's equal. I mean, they're, I mean which comes first? I, I'm just kind I mean, of yeah. You can't. The, the law will the tell you. The law will tell you that the pimp. Uh, I mean, usually the pimp, the person arranging and brokering, not the broker, the pimp who's supplying the service, 
he is the one who's punished more harshly i'm just talking from a legal point of view yeah but then if you if you don't have people who are willing to consume right. it and they're not right. going if you to don't have the it. demand then there would be no uh, yeah, supply setting up yeah yes well it's all exactly. part of one big toxic system that is um set up to serve the desires of men and doesn't see women as people right and there's not enough people who are really fighting back against that narrative that is so like entrenched in i think many cultures worldwide it's like there's this meme um i'm sure you've all seen it um that people post up in various places about um how like it's aimed at men to stop them committing these kinds of um, aggressions against women they're like you know she a woman is you know someone's um sister someone's mother someone's uh, daughter or whatever and then you know they've got like um what is it called strike throughs through all of them just leaving that line a woman is someone yeah exactly mm-hmm. so yeah like we um we are always taught as we're growing up how to be careful so that we are never in a position where someone is able to take advantage of us in that way but we need to teach boys not to do these things and we not need to right. right. as, as if that is inevitable yeah. will always be that way and it's up to us to to you know prevent them from committing these crimes against us which is is, is the dominant um mindset like throughout world culture wherever you are it's the same story yeah and also have you guys noticed how whenever we we start talking about teach the boys better um there are so many people who keep on saying that we should start teaching our all our girls how to defend themselves self defense for oh. every girl child <laughs> but here's the thing which is more difficult to making sure that all <laughs> the girls in your country are karate kids or 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 just teaching the boys better you know, ideas no but yeah. it's clearly harder to teach boys <laughs> to not commit rape right yeah. that's why you tell girls because the system is by men for men so it's kind Did of like about when that when that razor commercial came out a few months ago that oh, yeah. it was like you know oh, yeah. and their and yeah. their slogan is the best a man can get or something like that and the and the commercial was is this the best we can do and men got so upset about that <laughs> the women are going why are you so mad that we're just asking you to be better you know just be nice just be good people why is that so upsetting that you feel like your rights are being stomped on when we're just asking you to be better people yeah. and teach your sons to be better people the, but the worst that i i saw from that the follow from that commercial was women defending men um oh. in- <laughs> talking about how my dad is exactly the kind of person they are showing in the commercial are you trying to say that he's a bad man he's such a good man he respects women and all of that but he's disgusted by this commercial and i just don't i i'm just did you miss the point completely is this deliberate <laughs> what is that? can i link this to can i link this to burning sun sure. i wanted to bring up sorry i'll continue of course you can that's me. the point <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted to bring up how <laughs> there right. are still so many fans defending uh people like like Singri. So if you do a quick Twitter search, just do Singri's name. At this point, the only people posting about him are people still supporting him. And the first few tweets you'll see other than news tweets are I've been jobless for the me singri bless us all with his oh love God. and light wow. and other stuff as well and it's it's like a picture of jesus but with singri's face <laughs> right. oh my god let me be clear like, about something i'm not even joking 
Oh uh, let God. me be clear about something. I believe in Sindri. I never had any doubt in him. I have known him for the past three years, and he never disappointed me. I'm always thankful for him and for the times he made me feel happy. Good Lord. So I believe in Sindri, and I wait for him patiently. The only kings, no one other can compare to you. It's like he's the Messiah. What did he do to earn such love? <laughs> there, there's actually there is a tweet with a like it's like a picture of Jesus, but edited to have Singri's face on it. Oh God, that's actually really frightening. Because wow. then you reach the level of dogmatic belief that you can't be saved. Like, yeah. I, it's like I said at the beginning, my my knee jerk feelings were very selfish. Of oh, the guys I liked couldn't do that. It was, but my first reaction was, no, no way, no way. These guys couldn't do that. They're too nice. They're too. And then, and then my second feeling was, well, at least it's not any of my biases. Like, cause, cause these are guys from groups I liked, but none of them were like, well, Jun Young from Highlight was my bias. But, um, you know, other than that, like none of the, none of them were like true biases of mine. And there is a sense of, if you told me that it was, you know, if you told me that it was Jen from BTS doing this, oh. yeah, no! I would, I would try to, I know, right? I would try to deny it to myself. I would, I would really have a hard time accepting that. Dude, seriously, and, I, I could not believe it. Like, I understand. You know, I, yeah, it, it, it's that is your, that is your instinct is to when it's someone that is really your, just your very favorite. You just don't want to believe it. And so I, I don't blame them for having that initial reaction. But once you see the evidence, yeah. I don't know how you can, yeah. I don't know how you can deny it once you've seen. All like ultimately evidence. you have to accept that you don't, you don't know them as people. You only right. see the professional the about, persona. About the, the presentation of um, like idols and just um, celebrity personalities in general is that you, they allow you to have this illusion of knowing. You feel like you know them so well, but mm-hmm. you don't know them at all. And, and K-pop like, is marketed that way, right? Like they're exactly, marketed yeah. as your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you're supposed yeah. to know them. You're supposed to have fantasies about them and feel into, like that close, yeah. yeah. And bringing it back to BTS, BTS has even done a couple of songs. One of them, though, um, The Truth Untold, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but the entire meaning of the song is we don't show you who we really are. You yeah. see what we want you to see. And, and the song is a, the, the song is this very sorrowful. We wish we could show you who we really are, but we don't yeah. think you would love us if we did. And this isn't so that, many of the lyrics, even outro her has uh, Yunki's lines yeah. about wake up to make up to something to mask on. And it's in so many of the right. lyrics that, yeah. I mean that that whole song just makes me cry because it's the whole the the entire song is if you knew who we really were you wouldn't love us and that title track is fake love I'm so sorry but it's fake love yeah so fake love too <laughs> random question do they write their own songs they write the lyrics yeah oh. so the songs may or may not be produced by them or written by them but the lyrics we the really are okay. and they have a lot of songs about mental health that's really sad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so before we go into a BTS deep dive, you can save that for next time. I know, I know that both of you are yeah, here. I stopped myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think uh, we need to we need to wrap up. Um, I guess. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if anybody else wants to like 
I, maybe we'd already did our final thoughts and it turned into a long thing. So let's <laughs> and then we went full there. circle back to the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think like the personal investment that you have in these people definitely clouds your judgment sometimes. Like I think that's, it's important to recognize that. And I think mm -hmm. that's also part of, to bring it back to the broader sort of conversation about, you know, rape culture and male dominance is, you know, being when you have power resulting from systems of privilege that are in your favor, you're going to be very resistant to even recognizing that there's a problem because you're benefiting from that. And like you said, Burma, like there are also women who um, are sort of tangentially, no joke, there is a female uh, representative in the Colorado uh, State Congress who um, objected to a law that was asking for equal pay because she was offended by the fact that she thought that it was attacking white men. And she was like, white men have done a lot for me. I think white men are amazing. What? And I the hatred was she white? Men. Was she, she white? Was white. She was a white woman. She voted mm -hmm. against an amendment or like a law that was asking for equal pay for women. So there's like, been a bit of work on this, hasn't yeah, there? About I mean, there's, white women who, whose whiteness comes before their right. genderness. Even when they're actually not benefiting from that. Exactly. But it's, it's the whole thing. So I'm just, it's, yeah, and I know that's like another. I guess she's I, benefiting in terms of her constituency. And her votes but also, somewhere. as in whiteness is the is the privilege that Trump. Uh, it's the privilege, the privilege that trumps all, not the privilege that trumps all. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, whiteness supersedes any of their other privileges, even though she's clearly disadvantaged as a woman. Yeah. She won't stand with women of color. She would sooner stand with other white men. Yeah. So, so I was just talking anyway. with someone online the other day about the the gatekeepers, the women that. And they're almost always older women that have that feeling of, well, I had to suffer, so so do you. Why should you have it easier than I had it? And yeah. and that's so we should all be helping. It should be, I had such a hard time, and I don't want you to suffer like I did, so what can I do to help you? And it's and that mentality, me yeah, it's, sick, like that it's not blocking, that way. It's blocking change, and it's blocking, you know, improvement for these things. So I hope that this is big enough scandal that actually maybe something might change, but I'm also very cynical because I study history. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if Rumi can tell us, is there like, has there been much talk about what, whether it's going to change Korean law or anything? Uh, I have not really seen anything. Like I said, there Me appears neither. to have been this 2017 amendment. So that appears to be fairly recent. But anything more recently? not I, was, i'm really not there aware. was something in response to the protests um in december of 2018 wasn't there about this after all of the massive spy cam protests right I, I can find that and link it in the show notes i don't have it off the top of my head right now so my final thoughts are going to be about the hidden cameras um i was watching a documentary recently about how the, this group of women um they are trying really hard to push the government into uh, creating laws that would stop uh, instances of hidden camera um you know, footage recording and making them public and all of that. But um, what keeps happening is the government did outlaw um, selling um, tiny cameras. Like the, the, there are certain, I'm not exactly sure of the law, but there are certain dimensions to certain kind of cameras that are apparently banned. But this woman takes the uh, documentary uh, maker and she goes to these lanes and she's like, so this is where they would display with holdings like that you could come and buy the cameras. They don't do that anymore, but you can still walk into these shops and buy these cameras. 
So mm-hmm. nothing has actually changed, even though now there is a law. So unless you actually have the will to enforce the law, nothing Correct. will change. And so I guess what we are all hoping that this prompts the government of South Korea to have the will to enforce laws. And I think yeah. people like the culture also has to change. Like um, there was a, I, I don't remember her name, but there was a university professor who was saying that she's hoping that seeing how um, sort of reckless and unashamed these celebrities were in doing this kind of stuff in a, just in a cacao talk chat room where like the possibilities of being discovered are very high and they're celebrities. So it's like a very risky thing for them to do and how like, they were just doing it anyway. It shows how rampant it is in the culture. And she's hoping that people will kind of be shaken by that and try to rethink how, you know, they think about, you know, relationships between men and women and the rights of women. I mean, I hope she's right. Oh, even if they stop, if only because they don't want to be caught. I mean, the important thing is stopping, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone's going to stop because it's wrong. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us uh, to talk about this difficult topic. And I know it's it's kind of painful and, and dark. Oh, thank you. I really appreciated your insights. Yeah, thank you for story. asking to be part of this. You guys brought so much expertise and insight. I'm like, I learned so much because I came, I basically came into this as an, a member of the audience. I'm here to provide, what is it, audience reactions. But yeah i felt like i really learned a lot from from your discussion thank you for joining us well it's something that especially we have to talk about especially because it's hard to talk about absolutely all right okay Okay. bye-bye bye so when's the bts podcast